Hello and welcome as you join us here on Search for Truth. It's great to have your company. Search for Truth, of course, is your Bible teaching program with teacher Brian Johnston. We're getting towards the end of this series about the Bible book of Daniel with talk number 10 today. It's uh, called Spiritual Warfare. And to begin, Brian shows how Daniel engages with God in prayer to help achieve great things. We're mainly in chapter 10 of Daniel for this talk, but first Brian has a question for us about prayer. Okay, John, and this is the question. Are you cynical about answered prayer? Well, take a grandstand seat as we come now to the 10th chapter of the book of Daniel. And please just watch what happens when you take a man of godly integrity, someone who's correctly understanding God's agenda from the Bible, and above all, someone who means business with God in fired-up prayer, It's here we'll find the workings of prayer being exposed for us. It's Daniel, of course, whose prayer penetrates heaven and who's the one who's instrumental in getting God's house back in operation far away in Jerusalem. Would you not agree that this is the greatest accomplishment of Daniel's life? But how can we know all this? Well, at the beginning of chapter 10, in the third year of Cyrus, Daniel receives his final vision, the one which will be interpreted to him in chapter 11. So this is at least a couple of years after the change of empire described at the end of chapter 5 with the fall of Babylon and Belshazzar. The Medes and Persians are power-sharing and they refer to their kings as Darius and Cyrus respectively. By this time, any of Daniel's people who'd a desire to do so had been officially permitted to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple there. That's the temple which had been destroyed by the previous Babylonian Empire. Could we just pause and think about this? This was an amazing turn of events. Imagine a pagan king finding it in his heart to facilitate the work of God in Jerusalem. This could only have been God's doing, and it was. The first verse of chapter 11 refers back to that time of empire change that we've mentioned, and gives us a wonderful insight into the mechanics of what actually happened. Remember, this would take us back to the time that Daniel had been reading Jeremiah the prophet's writings, and God had revealed to him through his Bible reading that with the end of the Babylonian Empire came the moment in God's plan for the return of Daniel's people to rebuild for God at Jerusalem. Daniel then pours out an absolute model prayer of confession and intercession which is recorded for us in Daniel chapter 9. That prayer penetrated heaven and became decisive in tipping the scales in a cosmic contest fought between angelic beings. Here's what Daniel's mysterious visitor says. It's from Daniel chapter 11 verse 1. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I arose to be an encouragement and a protection for him. Let me check. Do you recall what we learn from Ephesians chapter 6? In verse 12, we're told our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armour of God with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Is prayer sometimes a struggle for you? Well, that's the way it should be. Prayer is a struggle in an unseen battleground. A lot happens when we pray which we can't imagine, but something of it is revealed in the case of Daniel's prayer. And what is shared here in Daniel 
aligns itself with the Apostle Paul's Ephesian commentary on our prayer struggle. Prayer engages in a cosmic conflict with unseen forces. So, armed with that biblical information, we come back to Daniel. Not only did Daniel's prayer penetrate heaven and engage in an angelic contest, but the outcome was then projected back down to earth. What are the words of a hymn that we sometimes sing? Prayer moves the hand that moves the world to bring deliverance down. That's exactly what happens here. The beginning of Daniel chapter 11 explains the outworking and powerful effect of Daniel's prayer that begins at the beginning of chapter 9. His prayer engaged with the contest being waged in heaven against spiritual forces of wickedness. Like a battle of minds being played out in manoeuvres on a chessboard, the ebb and flow in heavenly angelic warfare was played out on earth in the fall and rise of world empires. Daniel's prayer and the assistance of angels connected with it brought about a strengthening of the position of Darius the Mede, who was the one to take over the empire from Belshazzar. This was then soon afterwards reflected in the astounding foreign policy developments of the new empire, the ones we've talked about, which led to God's temple being rebuilt. It's absolutely breathtaking stuff, really exciting reading, a wonderful encouragement to real praying. God's house is now back in operation, far away at Jerusalem. This is the greatest accomplishment of Daniel's life, brought about through his Bible reading and prayer time far away from the scene of the action. Even if you're not as enthralled as I am by the prophecies of Daniel and intrigued by how they probably relate to what we're seeing happening today in the world around us, do take this away from our present study, that the prayer of a righteous person, in tune with God's will, revealed through his word the Bible, as he or she earnestly lays hold on God, that achieves far more than we can imagine. Don't say that due to your confined circumstances, all I can do is pray, for that's the vital and perhaps sometimes the missing piece for the realisation of God's plans and what he desires to take place on earth. But so far, we've hardly said anything about chapter 10 at all. We must remedy that now. We're told that in the third year of Cyrus, a message was revealed to Daniel. It was true, and he understood it. It also made a huge impact on Daniel. What had been communicated to Daniel, as we're going to see from its content in chapter 11, was a forecast of protracted warfare involving Daniel's people, the people of Israel. If Daniel was overjoyed that some of his fellow Jews were now back in Jerusalem on a temple rebuilding project, and I've no doubt he was, then this would come as a terrible shock to Daniel. By means of the vision, he was allowed to peer down through the corridors of time and he saw almost nothing but centuries of trouble ahead for his beloved nation and the city that he himself had been torn away from in his youth. That's why he tells us in chapter 10 and verse 2, In those days I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks, I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. 
On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body also was like beryl, his face had the appearance of lightning, his eyes were like flaming torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this, and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for twenty-one days. Then, behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. Who was this interpreter of the vision? We're not told, so we can't be sure. Before now, the angel Gabriel has appeared to Daniel and spoken with him, but never with the kind of reaction from Daniel that's described here. Daniel was afraid, speechless, and left without strength at the awesome appearance of his visitor. Might this have been a pre-incarnate appearance of Israel's Messiah? His description leads me in that direction, but some consider it improbable that he should be delayed by an angelic prince. But do we too, at times, not hinder God's purposes when they're working through us? Could this not be him speaking as the commander-in-chief of the armies of the loyal angels in heaven, those who stood ready to help him in his human experience on earth? Of course, there's no restraining of his power here by virtue of his having taken humanity yet, but does the Lord not exercise restraint such that his purpose is effected at the exact moment of his choice? In any case, we read in chapter 10 and verse 20 that this visitor said to Daniel, Do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. We return to the comment we made earlier concerning cosmic conflict, a warring between forces of good and evil in the spiritual dimension, which has its physical counterpart in warfare between nations on this earth. Clearly, the named angel, Michael, has a special and prominent role as a guardian of the cause of God's ancient people Israel. Notice again the strategic part played by the prayer of God's biblically informed servant who has a heart for God's glory. The one now standing before Daniel announces that he'd come in response to his prayer of three weeks earlier and then graciously explains the delay by reference to how he'd been hindered for 21 days by the angelic prince of Persia. So we learn to pray in God's will as seen from scripture and try not to be too impatient.
The hymn Brian mentioned in his talk isn't one we've recorded, otherwise we'd have listened to it, but it begins, There is an eye which never sleeps. You probably know it. It tells us, There's a power which faith can wield when mortal aid is vain. That power is prayer which soars on high through Jesus and moves the hand which moves the world to bring deliverance down. Something Brian brought out in today's study. Please note that the transcript book for this series is a valuable reminder if you want to follow up the study of prophecies in this series on Daniel. It's very helpful and it's free. And you can also download many of our books and talks via the internet, but the free hard copy book for this series is available to you by asking for the title Daniel Decoded. You can order by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, the Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So, I hope you enjoyed today's programme. Many thanks for your company. It's been great to have you with us. Next week, Brian looks in detail at the prophecies in chapter 11 and how they have been fulfilled, as well as those still to come. Exciting stuff. So, please join us if you can. For now, it's very best wishes from our teacher, Brian, our studio technician, David, our singers and me, John. So, cheerio and may God richly bless you. So